Welcome back to episode 18 of season 2 of the Peaked 2 Early podcast. This is a rarity for the Peaked 2 Early Derby week. Uh, neither side won, so there is significantly less gloating than there usually would be. Uh, I'm joined by the always lovely Oscar Saywell. Oscar, how are you doing? Hello, I'm good. I uh, just sneezed explosively. I don't know if anyone heard that. Um, but I am well. I'm glad to be back. I'm looking forward to talking about some football with you. And yes, that is... Oh, I played some football today. Jenny and I bought a ball. And Blake, there's a um, huge field really close to our house. So we got to... Um, when the weather gets warm, finally, we have to start playing more. Because yeah. I was running around a tiny bit and already tired. So I need to up my fitness levels. When the weather is warm, like it was today. 70 degrees exactly. in February. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Oscar Saywell, there's been a yes. lot of football that has happened. Yeah. Um, um, the I, show has. Th- I think we should start by, uh, because this is a podcast hosted by you and me, talking a little bit about West Ham, Newcastle. Let's do it. Um, I think you and I probably have very different opinions on the outcomes and outlooks of this match. Mm. Um, a pretty great result by Newcastle. Um, you know, ignoring everything else that happened in the league, a point um, away at a top five club is pretty impressive, especially when you're down at the bottom of the table. Um, mm-hmm. I thoroughly enjoyed the match. I thought Newcastle played really well, mm-hmm. um, but I also think the point was very fair for both sides. I don't think. Either side played particularly well. Um, Both sides were decent. And I even think if either side had nicked a winner, it wouldn't have been an unfair result. Um, And Mm -hmm. that means, of course, the draw is the most uh, fair result there could have been. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. I think fantastic result for Newcastle. And um, it was the result... For West Ham, that really made you look at the table and sort of think, um, "Oh, we're in trouble." Um, certainly in the, well, I think in it not never mind the top four race, just the race for a European spot, um, because it it means that uh, I don't I can't remember how many games West Ham have played, but it's a good three or four more than uh, the teams that are around us on the in the table, and um, yeah, you know, it was the continuation of I guess what you can call a a slump for West Ham in in form. Um, but it was also one that was massively predictable. So I know I always predict a draw for West Ham, but I really, really was like, this will be, you know, this will be a draw or loss. Um, we don't have a great track record against you. I believe at the beginning of the season, we dispatched you. Um, but Yes, quite um, easily. Yeah, quite easily. But you were in, in a... In, in inertia or just an absolutely dreadful place back then and now you're buoyant um you know i think you you know you might say that newcastle actually were the better side um i think you could have had more um i think you were just very very positive uh in the match that's the that's really the way i can think about it um i think the fact that you've had three you had three wins on the bounce meant that the the team was much more buoyant than usual um despite the fact that you don't have Kieran Trippier right so you had Kraft filling in 
you know perfectly serviceably um you know his loss was not not the did not signal any sort of capitulation and he had Joel and Tom back um and yeah you know Joe Willett claiming the goal I believe that that would be good for his confidence um despite the fact despite the fact he was very scrappy um and right spark was Jared Bowen he had a moment where he hit the bar from a cushioned Frederick's header that was excellent but apart from that you know we we didn't really move out of first gear I don't think and um it's sort of indicative of the the lethargy that's gripping the club right now yeah um I agree I think Newcastle were a bit better going forward but I think West Ham were more stable in the defense I thought Craig Dawson had yeah he's coming back a blinder Yeah, incredible match. Um, um, he was everywhere. And I okay, so if you're yeah, if you pull out Craig Dawson, who was excellent, I'll pull out for you Dan Byrne and Matt Target. Now I know that Dan Byrne was uh, had a few iffy moments. I thought he was particularly poor for um, our goal, but um, I thought yeah, Matt Target was excellent down that that left hand side, and and Dan Byrne is a big upgrade on. Lascelles and many other, uh, you know, lots of other your other defenders. So um, solid all round from from you lot, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I watched that West Ham goal a couple times, trying to figure out who I would most put blame on. And in the end, I think it just mm. goes down to an incredible uh, placement by Aaron Cresswell. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty perfect delivery. It's a perfect delivery, and okay then. Maybe you you might point at your midfielders who are meant to close Aaron Cresswell down because if, if we've seen anything over the past few years, the guy's like definitely one of one of the best in the league at just putting in crosses, basically, um, especially from open play. But I still look at Dan Byrne. I think he he just looks slow, essentially, and we know he's slow. He's huge, but um, he let he let the man get across him far too easily, and um, I thought he reacted too late to to what he should have known it was coming Cresswell does nothing else but whip him balls so but you know um props to Newcastle you guys keep going um and and you were in a gorgeous kit as well so uh you know yeah the only (laughs) the only problem with our kit is the like fake gold socks which I don't like I haven't seen those Uh, it is it's a nice kit. I'm a sucker for collars. Even like yeah. half half collars type things that you have. Oh, it's brilliant. Listeners, look it up if you don't know it. The away kit, the black and gold one. Um, or the third kit, I don't know. Anyway. Um, I do have a, mm-hmm. a few more talking points that are a little bit uh, more over-encompassing of West Ham season. Um, sure. First... Um, David Moyes versus Ben Rama. Um, any thoughts just as a West Ham fan? Um, you know, I think Moyes has a tendency to inhabit a certain old school, quote unquote, masculinity um, that he believes puts him in good, puts him in a good light and his players in a, you know, in a sort of you work for me um, kind of context. I don't have much to say about this. Um, I hope it doesn't escalate. Um, I Ben Rama in the past, we've had some, you know, rumors that he 
maybe uh, petulancy is that a word you know, that he's petulant or that he can throw a bit of a strop um and i'm sure that moy's is very no nonsense for that kind of stuff one one great thing that he's done for this club is get rid of egos and i think that i would like to believe that ben rama is not an ego i i don't believe he is um but yeah the, these like you know caught on camera angry exchanges of words and, and that kind of stuff it, it makes me a little bit concerned but i hope they can just move through it past it his stat statistically ben rama hasn't been fantastic um since the turn of the uh, turn of the year um, and I think Moyes has a problem with his fitness levels, um, which is a problem, especially because our squad is so thin. And yet, you know, he's not using Vlasic over him still. Um, he's he's playing, you know, when he starts, he plays like 70-ish, 75 minutes. Moyes is invested in him. I, I don't believe that this will get to the point where, you know, he, he isolates him completely. Um, so... I hope this just just breezes over, to be honest with you. Yeah, um, I think it's one of those inc incidents where, because it was caught on camera, it's talked about, but it happens in every locker room up and down the country. Yeah, so. I sorry, uh, I'll just I'll, I'll throw one more thing. I, I've seen opinions among West Ham fans that Ben Rama actually has should leave West Ham if he wants to fulfill his full potential. And I think that that is a very interesting opinion. And I... I, I I think Ben Rama has been excellent since he's come into the team fully. You know, he took like a year to bed in. But uh, I, I see where people are coming from because I think he, when things aren't going fantastic, when things are going really well, he's fine. He can fit into that system. But maybe when Moyes is managing this team, Ben Rama doesn't quite fit in, even like someone like Lanzini does. Um, and certainly not like someone like Bowen does. Um, he has a certain skill set, a bit of a maverick skill set that I'm not sure Moyes is particularly enamored with. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. I don't need to bore listeners with more of that, but I hope it just breezes over. Um, and then the other bit is uh, a point you have uh, drove home many times over the course of the season, but um, the lack of depth or the lack of squad depth at West Ham uh, really affecting fitness levels, I thought was very apparent in this match. Yeah. Um, West Ham yeah. were just dogged by the end. For um, sure. And I think that... Sorry, keep going. I was going to say, even players like Declan Rice, who are normally, you know, yeah. a you know, perfect specimen in the middle of the park, um, you saw him make two pretty egregious errors mm -hmm. because sure. uh, he looked exhausted. Sure, and I think, uh, yeah, I, I, we've been talking about it all season. It's it's nothing new, obviously. No one is surprised by this. Um, we're just it's super thin. We're fatigued, and we'll you know throw in now. We had a bye for the round of thirty-two in the Europa League, but throw in these fixtures, and it gets even more dangerous um, for us. You know, especially if we pick up any more injuries. I I think this is the problem with Moyes. He works well with a small squad because he's very particular about his starting eleven. I think you know Moyes is a type of manager who really has like twelve or thirteen players that he uses in rotation, and so that's why we've seen the likes of Vlasic and Kral, Kral especially, barely get a sniff, um, because it takes Moyes a long, long time to bed 
in players and I, I don't know maybe that's a trust thing because it's not it's not as if he does anything really complex tactically um yeah i think i can t- you know maybe talk about it a little bit later but the fact that socek has to be defensively minded um to allow declan rice to be this box to box or sort of like looser like midfield figure you know it, it it's such a shame that we didn't sign a lights out defensive midfielder in the summer. And it's also a shame that Crowell, who can be that, hasn't adapt is taking a while to adapt because because then that would sort of it would help us. It would it would create more attacking impetus in that midfield and take the pressure off Declan Rice, who hasn't had a rest in a proper rest in I don't know how long. Um yeah, there's there's various things about the squad that I guess if you're pessimistic, you would say are sort of teetering on the edge of a bit of a disaster, but I think Moyes has the the know-how to keep it together for now, at least till the end of the season. Anyway, enough about West Ham. Yes, enough about West Ham. Um, I think we don't really have a structure for this episode. No, um, why don't we just like go through the? It's been so long. Why don't we just go through the teams and just you know any, anything interesting? I don't know how yeah. you structure your notes, but. Um, well, let's build our way up from sure. the bottom, sure, um, sure. where it's That's always good. most interesting to talk yep. about. Um, North City, uh, they have continued their little run of playing well, although mm. uh, the results not necessarily being there. Um, you know, heavy losses to Liverpool and Man City um, with two wonder goals for the Liverpool match, um, which were pretty incredible. Um, you texted me, by the way, about the Liverpool Norwich match, and you said that Mosalot embarrassed uh, Tim Cruel. He did, uh, but it was not Tim Cruel. It's Angus Gunning goal. Oh, was so it? I didn't even look my at the boy, properly. Yeah, yep. My boy Cruel uh, stays with his name clean. Um, still, Norwich's best goalkeeper. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, they've sort of um, they had their uptick, um, and with the Dean Smith appointment and now are sort of, they're certainly playing better, but um, you know, they, they've played the most games out of the bottom four. Yeah. Um, and you know, a consistent run of matches isn't really there. Um, yeah. It's just, they will improve and they might not finish the season, not last, but I don't think. I'm back on the yeah. Norwich will. They're dead and buried. I think that, uh, I, yeah, I don't have a ton to say on Norwich either. I, I, you know, you look at the table. Yes, they played 25. I believe they're still in it. Um, 17 points. They're on, you know, Newcastle, 24 games played, 22. Certainly still in it. Uh, that's only five points. Um, but I, I do, I think they had a bit of a delayed manager, new manager bounce, and now it's sort of going back to... Um, you know, basics a bit. Um, although they've had a, a recently a couple of tough fixtures, so I, I hope it's a it's a good relegation battle this season. I'd love to see like five teams in it, six teams in it, even, um, which I think is a possibility. You could even have, yeah, you could have definitely have yeah. that. Um, we will come back to that at a later. Yeah, for point. sure. Um, Burnley, the the team above them, there, uh, and and this is the team right now that 
we still don't know enough about because they've only played 22 matches and that's significantly less than everyone else around them. Obviously, Norwich on 25, Watford and Newcastle on 24, Everton on 23. Um, all, ar- all around Burnley there and, and with an incredibly impressive uh, 3-0 victory over Brighton of all teams um, this past uh, match day. Um, you know, people have written Burnley off before and, and they've come roaring back to finish relatively comfortably, which again, they, they could definitely do. I hope they don't. I've been saying it all season. Um, but if Veghorst plays like that um, every week, then they're, they're going to turn into an incredibly uh, difficult attacking side um, because he was, he was excellent. Um, scored open the scoring and and yeah look this was a Burnley team who who played out of possession um away from home and and got a, a massive result you know they only had 30 percent possession um, in this match across across the 90 minutes um uh, and yeah I'm just yeah shout out Aaron Lennon just really briefly for that smash smashing goal um right at the uh, end 70 minutes in um yeah on the like weekend. 15 years yeah. since he left Burnley right. returned this summer and yeah he's incredibly old but still good he's looking quite fit actually um it was it was nice to see anyway you know Burnley or Burnley um I'm really interested to see how that unfolds um but you know it's it's hardly like their form's been fine okay uh past five matches three draws in a row defeat win um you know not nothing special um and I, I believe yeah. they have some tricky matches on paper at least um to to make up but we'll see yeah, um, really quickly talking about the Premier League match rescheduling um, mm. due to the, the postponed matches. Uh, just an absolute nightmare. Uh, Burnley, I think it's Burnley, Watford, Newcastle, Everton, and L- I think maybe Leicester all yeah. have to play four matches in nine days. Yeah, that's um, horrible. Which yeah. will just be a nightmare. It's pending oh palace is one of those teams as well yeah um it's pending based on the cup draws some of them Mm. might get moved but until then uh there is one hell of a stretch i think in early april Um, yeah but yeah moving up uh one of those teams that will have a monster uh schedule coming up watford Mm. uh who um they managed to beat Villa in their most recent yeah, match. Yeah, this is an impressive um, win. Yeah, and just looking at their last, you know, couple of matches, um, they've been able to keep the scores very close, even when they lose. Yeah, um, and the ability to stay in games makes me very nervous about Watford and their uh, outlook. Yeah. Um, oh, for you, like as a Newcastle fan, you mean? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, Roy Roy has done what Roy does. Um, fixed them defensively almost immediately, despite the fact that they lost their opening two games or, you know, haven't. I think he's he's had four games in charge now and, and won one, drawn one, lost two. Um, and that was yes. crucial. I, I think they got a couple of bodies through the door um, in, in defensive areas in January. Um, but we'll see. They'll be stodgy, won't they now? Um, and... The danger definitely is that when you have Mavericks like Emmanuel Dennis up front, anything can happen. Um, so we'll see. Although yeah. I would still 
I think Newcastle is still a better team. So I wouldn't be too worried about Watford. Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, sure. I guess briefly on Newcastle, undefeated in six, mm-hmm. three wins, three draws. Um, just uh, the outlook has completely turned around. It feels like every episode of this podcast, I'm uh, flipping back and forth between despondent and jubilant. Um, but, you know, sure. I'm very happy to be a Newcastle fan right now. Uh, yeah. It's truly incredible. Uh, just some highlights. Uh, one, uh, I don't know if we talked about it, but uh, Jordan Pickford and Chris Wood and Dan Byrne getting into a little spat in the dressing room. Oh, um, or outside really? the dressing room. Yeah, Jordan Pickford was like waiting for uh, Chris Wood outside the locker room, and uh, he got pushed to the floor twice. Apparently, oh, God. Um, just love to see it because I hate Jordan Pickford. Um, supposedly this is like a tier four or like, you know, tier five, maybe, uh, news reporting, but, uh, Craig Dawson asking the referee to ask Chris Wood to stop meowing at Kurt Zuma. Um, I pray it's a real, real story, but, um, uh, yeah. Um, I really can't imagine Chris Wood doing that though. Um, he's very like soft-spoken and, um, but it'd be amazing if it was. Um, you briefly talked about uh, Joe Willick being a mm. nippy little player. Um, and I do think in the last six matches, that's probably the biggest change Newcastle have made is, um, you know, for the first time this season, players are like fully committing to challenges. You saw it, the Dan Byrne slide tackle on uh, Gerard Bowen right at the very end. Um, I think in a relegation scrap, it's important to be a team that players hate to play against. Um, and I think, you know, that's part of what Burnley, that's part of the reason why Burnley has survived so many years is because they put in hard tackles and it, it makes opponents be scared to go up against yeah, them. Sure. Sure. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, Newcastle have taken an upturn. Huge, huge, huge match coming up against Brentford. Yeah, that's um, a big, but big, big, big one. Let's talk about that when we get to Brentford. Moving up, um, Everton. Uh, it's just a roller coaster, isn't it? It is rather. Um, you know, I, I don't know whether this is teething problems or just a sign that Lampard isn't actually a very good coach. Everyone used to talk about how Oli coached on vibes. Um, Lampard also does that, I reckon. Um, you know, I I feel like I've 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 talked extensively about Lampard's defensive shortcomings. He can't code fence to save his life, um, which is a huge problem when you're increasingly in an, a relegation scrap. Um, Donny Van der Beek has been a bright spot for them. I think he's been good. Um, uh, Deliani hasn't done much. Um, my question there is, will they extend him or just let him go in the summer? Um, he's got a good deal there. Uh, I think if he you know, plays a certain amount of games, then they have the option to extend or something. And if he doesn't, then, um, then he can just walk for free. Um, I think, yeah, the most interesting question here, Blake, is are they in serious contention for relegation now? Um, I think most certainly they are. Yeah. Um, just based on form, you yeah. know, there are three sides below them that are in better form than they are. So yeah, and, it, uh, it, and they're in 16th. Yeah. So it, it's astonishing, really, with the with the the players they have. I I, I know that 
um, yeah, they've had their injury problems uh, massively, especially under Rafa. But, uh, you know, you have the likes of Richarlison up there and yeah, I, don't, I don't know what's going on. Um, on their day, they can be very good, as, as we see, as we saw rather against... Um, Against Leeds, they 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 smashed Leeds. Uh, I you rolled I think them. you can comfortably say that they rolled them over, um, but there's no consistency, and they were in turn smashed by Newcastle and Southampton. Um, yeah, I I guess Lampard is not the coach you would choose to steady the ship, and when they appointed him, I guess some many people would probably argue that they didn't need to steady that ship. Uh, and now they do, and so that's that's the huge question here. Um, again, it's what will happen. Who knows? My prediction yeah. is, I still don't think they can go down. I would still say, if I if I if if you if you if you force me to make a prediction now, I would still I would still back Brentford and Leeds to go down over Everton. Yeah, um, I think. It's going to be that season where they finish 17th. Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I think it's going to be a real close, but I think even on the final day, I think they're going to be safe. And Yeah. Um, you know, they, they, yeah. Have a, they, they play 23, so they do have a couple of games in hand, more than a couple of, you know, for some, for some teams. Brentford, for example, have played three more games than them and only have two more points. Um, so it, it's one of those where, you know, I don't know, they win the next two games or draw and win. And suddenly they're they've got a bit of breathing room. Um, I, the, the table is crazy, really, Blake. Uh, it's just because of all these, just all the games that these teams haven't bloody played. Like Aston Villa have played, they Aston Villa have played one more game than Everton, and they're on twenty seven points. So say you know, say Everton win the next game, they're two points behind Villa in twelfth. Same amount, same amount of games played. It, it's. It is bizarre. Everyone says, we all say all the time at the beginning of the season, you know, the table lies. What point does the table not lie? Because anything could happen down here. From literally from like 11th downward, that's where Leicester are. You know, stuff can just change, just changes week by week because of these games having been played and not played. And we'll talk more about, about the, the table lying uh, when we talk about the top two teams. Um, yeah. Soon. Um, we'll also talk more about this topic later when we get to my questions. Nice. Um, you're a little bit of a psychic. You're uh, reading quite far ahead. Um, okay. Um, I will say, by the way, Everton's oh. game in hand is yeah. their home match against Newcastle United. You got some big games, Blake. Whoa, that's nerve wracking. You win, you win, you know, you win your Brentford and your Everton and you're, you're in the, you're, you're on the beach, I reckon. Uh, thank you. I hope you're so. welcome. Um, um, next up, Leeds. Leeds. Yeah. Yep. Um, I don't have too much to say. Um, they're an injured team with a lot of talent, struggling sure. to keep the trains on the tracks. Yeah. Um, uh, three-three draw with Villa, where Villa capitulated, um, then smashed by Everton, and then collapsed versus Man U. Yeah. Um, the only real thing I have to say is the uh, Robin, Robin Koch uh, concussion debacle, um, which a similar situation happened at the Newcastle-West Ham match. Yeah. Uh, where, you know, the Premier League says they're taking this stuff seriously, but uh, it's kind of... Yeah. yeah. It's kind of an issue. Don't have much to say about Leeds other than that. No. It's, 
Mm, yeah, Other I'm than, still, I'm worried about Leeds, but yeah, I mean they certainly long. are in the they thick of it. Um, yeah, especially the reports of Bielsa not renewing his contract. Um, I don't think he will either. Yeah, uh, but you know it just feels inevitable. His time. It's, it's just one of the things where it feels like it's naturally closing. Yeah. And the thing is, the fans absolutely love him. Um, and I think they will never not love him, um, even if they go down, which I really hope they don't. And Leeds are still, they're still a very attractive side. And if they get their next managerial appointment right, with the players that they have, um, the, the, you know, they, they deserve to be a mid-table side. Um, they've just been unlucky this season. And, and they're chaotic. We know that under Bielsa. So here's hoping that they'll, They'll stay, you know, up there in the mix. And and yes, yes, again, 23 points, 24 games played. Again, Aston Villa, 24 games played, 27 points. So if you're talking about Leeds, you can talk about Villa being relegated, um, which, you know, sounds astonishing. Uh, yeah. Who's up next? We got... Speaking sorry. of potential relegations. Yes. Brentford, eight Brentford. losses yeah. in their last 10 matches. Yeah, now um, this is a team that you you have to be incredibly worried about um, because this form is absolutely dreadful. And and they could sink like a stone. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, they play Newcastle this Sunday. Um, and if Newcastle are to win, they would jump Brentford, um, which mm. is pretty miraculous. Yes, they would, yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, and uh, deeply concerning, yeah. The, uh, you know... Outlook and uplook for Brentford is uh, Christian Eriksen played very well against Rangers, and he, he is going mm -hmm. to make his Premier League debut against Newcastle this weekend. So um, we will see if he, uh, you know, has what it takes to give Brentford the uplift. Yeah, it, it it's funny. I looking at the table. I I honestly I want the three teams in the relegation zone that are currently in the relegation zone to go down. I believe that those are the three worst teams this season. Um, so, yeah, just looking at it. But Brentford, oof, yeah, 26 games played. They just, they've got too many games. They're, they're like, they're in our situation, but much more dangerous because they have no points. So, yeah, I, I don't know if, if Ericsson really gives them, maybe he gives them more fluid attacking impetus. Um, but I, I'm not sure. I actually haven't watched a ton of uh, Brentford in, after the new year i'm not sure what their problem is i don't know if, are they calamitous at the back i just i don't know are they just getting unlucky um obviously they, they lost i believe to arsenal right um this weekend yes 2-1 uh, they scored just, a yeah they scored really late uh, arsenal just swept them aside really it wasn't very difficult um yeah keep an eye on them palace another disappointing side in 2022 um i believe they haven't won in 2022 yet, which is quite something. Um, I don't have much to say on them other than I hope they find some of their mojo. They have so many great talents, young talents. I don't think they're in trouble with relegation, um, but I suppose the Palace fans are seeing the side of Patrick Vieira's managerial record that is less desirable. He can be very stodgy, um, very boring, and, and when you're not getting results, it can be difficult to get on board with that. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure what to to say about them other than that, to be honest. Yeah, um, I just had their no wins in 2022 highlighted. Yeah, um, yeah. poor. 
Um, and um, yeah, they'll come up again later, I think. Um, I think right. I yeah, they got two. So they got Watford and Palace. Sorry, they got Watford and Burnley next. And so, you know, Very I winnable. guess those are, they're winnable for sure. But if they lose both, then you, you could be looking at, um, the, yeah, they're getting, getting closer to the hot seat. Um, who's up next? Uh, we have yeah, the villains, um, <gasps> Aston Villa. Yeah, a bit of a slump. Bit of a slump. Uh, yeah, 3-3 draw to Leeds, which can only be described as them throwing away a win. Um, yeah, I actually turned the match off because I thought it was uh, over. over. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, and then I missed a great comeback from Leeds. Yeah, I watched um, the end of it. It was fun. They also back-to-back 1-0 losses um, to Newcastle and Watford. But I will say Aston Villa have a pretty fair uh, stretch of games coming up. Yes, um, they do. I think Brighton, Southampton, uh, and Leeds, they should be able to uh, you know, pull themselves yeah. back up. I think they're a much better team than where they are in the I table. Agree, yeah. A little bit of a um, yeah. Certainly underperforming. Uh, anything else to say? Nope. Yep. We have another underperforming side. Um, Leicester City. Um, oh, God. In the bottom half of the table. Um, Losses to Wolves, lost to Liverpool. Um, they let a late lead slip against West Ham. Um, and, uh, you know, we always talk about, um, you know, good teams find a way to win, win, even when they play poorly. But uh, Leicester are finding ways to lose, even if they play well or if they play <laughs> poorly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which is a concerning place to be. Um, not to mention the Brendan Rodgers saga um, and, you know, both on the pitch and off the pitch. uh, It's a pretty spooky time. I think the boxes. Yeah. Some of these performances have been grounds to fire Brendan Rodgers, I think, especially with his temperament and the stuff he says. Um, I don't really. He's just a dead man walking like they're just going to fire him at the end of the season. So it's just a nothing season for for what for, for sorry for Leicester. I I get that uh, they're one of these teams that have a bunch of games in hand. So they played twenty three, uh, but no wins in the last five, um, and some embarrassing capitulations. Uh, just yeah, and oh gosh, Casper Schmeichel has been absolutely hard. I mean, he's been like the worst goalkeeper in the lead, league this season. So um, a little bit bizarre, but um, yeah. A nothing season, a write-off for Leicester. Bit of a shame. Yeah. Um, onwards and upwards. Um, Southampton, which, um, you know, after they had a little bit of a rocky form, they've, you know, found uh, themselves a very difficult team to beat. It's kind of like a Burnley, but not shit. Um, right. They're a very hard team to beat. Um, a loss to Liverpool... Oh, sorry. Um, a who did they lose to? No, nobody. Drew Man U, Drew Man City beat Spurs, beat Everton. Um, so far after January, um, and uh, have really solidified their uh, position. I thought they were at one point um, threatened with relegation, but they seem to have done what Everton couldn't. Uh, sort of, yeah, even themselves out. 
Um, which I think of all teams to ever play in the Premier League, Southampton is probably the team that deserves mid-table the most. Yeah. It's just Yeah, I agree. My entire yeah. life, Southampton have been, you know, probably the tenth to fourteenth best team sure. in the Premier League. I think it's uh, yeah, I, I kinda hope I'm other uh sorry. Unlike Brendan Rogers, I hope that they stick with Ralph Hasenhutel just maybe for one more year. Um, I think of a few pods ago, I was saying, how can you... Well, maybe no, maybe it wasn't me. I can't actually remember. But I've heard the opinion, maybe I echoed it, that how can you stick with a man who's overseen two 9-0 defeats? Like, it's just... is Doesn't that just kill the fabric of the team too much, um, fundamentally? We know that those results were freakish, especially the second one. But so yeah, Hasenhutel is just cool. Like he he has this whole entire philosophy that he's implementing in the you know top to bottom in the club, and he's one of these managers. I'm, I believe that's like I'm not going to manage for that much longer, guys. Like I'm not going to be a 75 year old manager. He's already in his 50s. So yeah, I'd like maybe you s- see him steer Southampton. They're a team. Sorry, they're they're a team that can have crap season. But they're t- they're one of those teams that you could see having this season where they get seventh and they get European football, um, which would be fun. I would like that. I have nothing more to say on them. And neither do I. Yeah. Um, ninth place, Brighton. Yeah. Uh, not much either on on this side, to be honest with you. Um, some poor losses, uh, especially to United and definitely to Burnley. Um. I, uh, yeah, I, I think I'll be interested to see how this unfolds because Graham Pot- Potter, at the end of last year, you know, he had that weird like stuff with the fans where he was like, you guys, do I have to give you a history lesson? Weird stuff. Um, I don't believe that his, you know, he's hit the, all the praise that's been heaped on him has made it his head turn, but it's possible. Um, and I think their season will likely peter out into a very solid you know, eighth to twelfth place finish, um, which for for a, not to be patronizing, but for a club like Brighton is fantastic, frankly. Yeah, certainly looking where they were a few years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, their outlook on their future is so much better than uh, what it once was. Um, I will say, I just you know, I have to mention it. Uh, if you haven't seen Neil Mappe's, oh, yeah. uh, we'll call it ungentlemanly uh sure. action against eric peters um yeah uh just one of the stranger things uh, gary Medell did something similar in a copper america match i believe it was like on edinson cavani um ages ago uh it was yes yeah, strange one isn't it strange yeah just weird. neil mope is such an asshole he's the worst hey he seems yeah, he seems yeah he's a dick he's one of those ratty um, little boys yeah he is um I feel like the next three teams uh, all sort of have, well, okay, I guess they all have similar desires right now. They're all gunning for a West Ham spot. Um, So in that way, they're similar. But uh, moving up to eighth place, Tottenham Hotspur uh, are very different from sixth place and seventh place. Um, Tottenham were, uh, you know, what, uh, three days ago, questioning if Conte was the man, you know, questioning what the season will be, yada, yada, yada. Uh, all of a sudden, 3-2 win over Man City. 
and uh, Spurs are convinced they're going to make a Champions League spot again. So, uh, you know, it's just, uh, you know, every week, it's kind of like Newcastle. Um, just every week, the outlook on the rest of the season is completely different. Yeah, and they, I think Conte sort of mirrors that. He mirrors the fans in that sense. Like, he was so morose in the game before, or in those games that they sort of just, like, against Wolves, for example, he was just stone cold and not moving and Mourinho-esque. And in this match, he was like, Klopp. He, the, I mean, I, I li- I'm not saying I don't like it. Like, it's fine. Like, it's great. Like, you can celebrate. It's, it's nice to see managers who have emotion and, like, someone like, I don't know, like Van Gaal. But he went berserk when they scored that third goal. It was fun to see. Um, and I, look, Conte will walk unless Spurs get top four. I think that's that. Um, and the only other thing I have to say about them is that Harry Kane had the performance of, of, of the season. He was, at, he was insane uh, in this match. Some of, that, some of the passing was ridiculous. I w- and you've got to wonder if it was because it was against Manchester City, um, frankly. Um, yeah, Spurs. Still Spursy. Yeah. Um, Kane with, you know, one of those performances where when he hits the ball, it's yeah. like it's, one frame, it's on his foot. The yeah. next frame, it's into the roof of the net. Um, yeah. And, you know, we, the yeah. shot is so quick, you don't even see it happen. It's one of the stupidest things about that whole saga in the summer is it distracted from how good he is. And he is, he, he is so, you know, he, it's going to be a shame if and when he goes down as... Because he will. He'll go down as one of the Premier League's greatest because of just his goal-scoring record alone by the end of his career will be up there. Um, but it will be a shame if he, if he goes down as, as the, I guess, the nearly player or you know that player that almost did it. Um, people like to paint Wayne Rooney with that brush, and that guy has won a ton of stuff. So I don't even know how people are going to reflect on Harry Kane after his career is done. And I don't know what he does now. He runs down his contract and he's 31. Never had the greatest injury record. I, I guess if he can adapt his game to mean that he's still prolific without being physical. But yeah, we'll see with, with Harry Kane. But Spurs, team to watch as well. Low down in the table, but definitely could get up there. Yeah, certainly capable. Um, they are right behind um, both Wolves and Arsenal. Um, them, really, because we played, <laughs> yeah, we played 26 matches, so they've only played 23. Uh, well, let's start with Wolves really quickly. Um, have been quite incredible recently. Um, they have been incredibly hard to beat. So they're one of these teams, you know, it's the sign of a good team when so you play so poorly but can still win. Um, so miserly. Yeah, so, you know, played like crap against Leicester, but they still managed to smash and win, which is normally what Leicester do to other teams. Yeah. Um, uh, Jimenez still hasn't, you know, bounced back. No, I, I, don't, I don't know think. if he ever will, honestly. Yeah, I just, I, I don't think he's had a single impressive performance since yeah. his injury. Um, and, but, you know, um, Pedro Neto, uh, quite the player. Uh, it feels like every season Wolves have one of these players who are just, you know, lights out and will likely leave them in the summer um, and then get replaced by some huge talent. Um, yeah. 
agreed um you know but, i think Wolves um, are on the on the brink of something special here i would say the underrated team of the season and and um yeah i I've lost my train of thought. Just sort of out, not out, yeah, out of nowhere, really. And no one, sorry, no one's talking about how good they are, um, which is the sign of a, again, of a of an excellent team. If it, if you go under the radar, um, especially seeing as they they lost of some, you know, they lost Adama Traore, who was chaos personified, um, just kind of ticking along with a unproven Premier League manager in Bruno Large. So, props. Yeah. Um, I like Bruno Lager quite a bit. Too, too. Um, I think he's a bit like Eddie Howe um, in that he is both like never happy. Um, no. Just constantly like, <laughs> I have to get back to work. Um, yeah. Moving up, talking about never happy, um, Arsenal. Uh, their fans never are happy. No. Um, beat Brentford quite uh, handedly, um, you know, Brentford weren't great or mm. even good. Um, and we already talked about the issues they have. Um, Arsenal continue to kind of like squeak out these wins. Um, yeah, they're close. Um, tons of jokes about, you know, not being able to win without a red card. Right. Um, but, um, you know, they're in good form and or decent form. And some of their players are in excellent form. And, um, I think they're just the side you can't really count out. Um, I don't really think they're the side that's going to pip West Ham. No. Um, I think Arsenal's probably going to finish sixth, but. All right. Um, you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do I have a ton to say on Arsenal? Um, Bright Sparks, as always, Saka, Emil Smith Rowe. Uh, I think all in all, they've had a, a very solid season so far, and they just need to. to do at least as well um for the for the remaining whatever they have 15 matches um and then go again next season arsenal or arsenal um i won't touch really anything more on west ham said what i want to say i other than we're effectively we're we are eighth um not fifth we've just played so many games and we have very few points for the for the uh for the for the place we're in um do you want to? Uh, yeah, Manu, Chelsea. Not much to say on either. For me, uh, Manu have been embroiled in boring. There's a rift in the dressing room thing that every single player has done a ton of tweets about, saying it's rubbish. Um, Manu actually unbeaten in five, uh, which is better than Chelsea's record. Um, play 26 matches on 46 points. They will battle for fourth place this season. I don't think they'll get into the top three. Um, and as for Chelsea, I hate them, as usual. Um, the only thing I have to say about them is that Ziyech has been excellent for them. Um, I think he believes he's scored in three games in a row now. Right, Spark. Um, yeah. yeah. Retiring from the national team. He has. He's he? wonders. He has. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that brings us to the, the top of the table, um, mm. where things were once looking uh, pretty unfalterable for Man City. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, uh, Liverpool are right back in the fight. Um, this astonished me. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, how did this happen that if they win a game in hand, they're three points behind with City yet to play? 
honestly, I don't know. I haven't heard a single person who hasn't said what that's a thing. Like we thought that this was all over. Um, City have this problem where they they drop points weirdly. Um, I just think no one was looking properly at the table to see that actually, if some things go right, then uh, Liverpool are right there. And this is the problem when when you have a team as good as Liverpool and a team as good as City, you forget that the the chasing team. You know, five wins in a row is ridiculous. Like the standards are just so high now that that people dismiss it. Um, and yeah, if City falter, which they have the tendency to do, Liverpool are right there. Now, I I still believe that City will win this league, maybe even comfortably in the end. Um, but it certainly makes it spicier, and that's fun for me. Uh, I would like a, an actual title race. It's been ages since we've had one since City and Liverpool actually, all those years ago pre-pandemic. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Even looking at their upcoming matches, you would say they both have extremely similar uh, schedules coming up. Um, they play each other, of course. They both play Man U. Um, both play Wolves. Both play West Ham. Um, and then also both have quite a few matches against lower sides. Um, so, um, I think. It's pretty much as wide open as we've seen in what three to four years, right? It was seventeen eighteen that Liverpool Man City crazy finish. Yeah, um, yeah, seventeen eighteen. Where, yeah, they both set what would be the points record, um, and I think that was the season Liverpool smashed the goal scored record. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, you say Man City is going to win the league. Um, yeah. I, uh, my gut says I think Liverpool are actually going to do it. Um, oh, that I would just, be cool. I'd like that a lot. Yeah, I think it's kind of written in the stars a little bit. Um, mm. You know, like the one that come from behind. Um, you know, complacency versus momentum, and two Salah season. Um, yeah. You know, Jota's out injured. He's the second top goal scorer in the league. Mm. Um, Luis Diaz is looking quite very, very uh, good. Quite good. Not, yeah. He's he's ominously good, isn't he? Uh, scary good. Um, yeah. Uh, so we will see. I I don't know. I predicted Man City to win the league. Um, it's hard to bet against Man City, but. Um, yeah. Is, I think this is, next match probably. Do you think will, if they win the league, ugh, Salah will bow out and leave? Is this man going to sign a contract extension? I don't know, but like his contract is really like running out, and they're not renewing it. Like, what the hell is going on? Well, um, the Liverpool has said they don't want to upset their wage structure, whereas mm-hmm. Salah wants to be paid like the best player right. in the world. Which he and right, you know yeah. he is the best player in the world. So. He is the best player in the world. Exactly. Um, uh, just give the man a four hundred thousand. Pound sure. a week. Do you think they'll? I I don't know. I don't think Liverpool are going to do that. To be honest with you, and and should they? Maybe not. They honestly maybe shouldn't. I know that and I, Salah is the best player in the world, and I, I I'm like everyone's obsessed with him as they should be. Um, but but should you? He's twenty nine. Like I don't know. Like why? That Liverpool don't have endless money. They just don't, and so they can't. I don't think they can really afford to do that for a twenty nine year old. Even if that twenty nine year old is the best player in the world. Um. Yeah, it, it, just 
yeah, even though I I don't particularly care that much for Liverpool, you you don't want that relationship between the player and the club to end uh, sourly because he's given them everything, literally. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, if you had to put money on it right now, do you reckon he leaves? That's a really good question. I want to say no. no look, I'm sorry, I'll, I'm sitting on the fence. I honestly don't know. I haven't looked into it enough. I don't know what people are saying about it. Um, but I would say if if he if he's not backing down or whatever on his wages or whatever, although I, and I believe he has claimed that he's not asking for insane stuff, um, you know, then I don't think Liverpool will give him a, a you know, one of the highest paid contracts in the world because um, I don't think they can afford it. Um, so, yeah, um, I will say. If I had to put money on it, I think he should leave, but I don't think okay. he will. Why do you think he should leave too, though? I don't know. Um, who has the money to make him the best played, best Real paid Madrid. player? PSG. It's Real Madrid and PSG, but he won't go to PSG. So, um, but I mean, okay, I go. guess I could see a scenario in which Mbappe, as is now rumored, stays at PSG, and. Then, but but then Real would go, and and then Real swoop for Holland and Salah, because Salah would play off the right. Uh, Holland, Vinicius, Holland and Vinicius, which would be vile, could like absolutely, f- like just vile. Uh, they'd um, find a way to mess it up. I know they would. Would they? Would they? I don't think you can mess that up. I guess I football's you'd never have to as pretty. Try and move on Benzema. Okay, imagine a front four of them: Benzema, Salah, Holland, and Vinicius. You can't mess it up. There's too much work rate because it's it's not like the all-star PSG side. God, I hope that doesn't happen. That'd be awful. Um, yeah, I'd like Salah to stay, but should he leave? Maybe. Okay. Um, that was. Uh... I think an excellent podcast so far. Um, there's only time for me to ruin it with some bad questions. No, um, never. All right. Um, my five questions. My first one, obviously, is a former Wonder Kid. Although this one, um, I don't really know if I would call him a Wonder Kid. Okay. Um, he famously joined Crew Alexandria and joined their youth setup at age three, which, you know, like, no three-year-old can play any bit of football. Like, you know, this was like a glorified daycare for a three-year-old. But uh, he would go on um, and join Manchester United, where he'd spent 14 seasons. He'd play for Man U at every level, U13, U16, U18, U21, U23, and their senior side, although he would only ever play once for their senior side. Um, He was one of these players who, throughout my childhood, was just loaned everywhere. Mm. Um, He uh, got his own little world tour, uh, Peterborough, Molda, Oldham, Hull, Carlisle, Bolton, 
before joining Bolton permanently in 2015. Uh, he'd go to Cardiff, Charlton, Millwall, and then back to Charlton permanently before ending at his current club. Can you tell me where Ben Paul Amos, Amos is? Yeah, I can tell you where he is um, because I listened to an excellent podcast called Not the Top 20, which is about um, the rest of the footballing league. And he is, I believe, an excellent starting player for Wigan Athletic, who are second in the league in League One this season. Um, yes. Yeah. He is smashing it at yeah, Wigan. He's super well. Um, yeah. He's been yeah. a huge I, part of the reason they're in second. I like Ben Amos. Um, he's like 30 in his 30s now. He's old. 31. Um, yeah. But... Um, he carved out a really solid career for himself as a goalkeeper, especially because he, he wasn't playing consistently until what, 20, 2015? Like, wasn't it Bolton Wanderers? His, was his breakout? Um, yes. Sorry, and I might have like zoned 20, out. And you said that, um, 26 or um, something. So, you know, uh, good for him. Um, I hope Wigan get promoted as well because I have a soft spot for Wigan. They were always great in the 2000s. Um, Cool. Nice one. I, I like that. That's a, that's a nice little shout you had there for Ben Amos. Yeah. Um, next, um, I just have some, you know, some updated stats. Um, who's leading the league and what? Um, who leads the league in successful dribbles per match? Uh, successful dribbles per match. Uh, ASM. It's got to be. Of course, yeah. Alan St. Maximin. 4.6 successful dribbles per match. The next closest, Dwight McNeil on 2.2. Dwight McNeil? Ooh, so God. Alan St. Maximin has double the next closest. That's crazy. I bet Jared Bowen's up there. He's like 12th, I think. Oh, um, never mind. He's, yeah, I mean, he's one of the top, but yeah, not top 10. He's a good dribbler. Very good dribbler. Um. All right, uh, who leads the Premier League in bad touches per game? Bad touch? That's a stat? Yes. Um, bad touches per game. If Pogba played consistently, it would be him because he, he he's always losing the ball. Uh, so bad touches per game, if that's not errors leading to goal. That's not, right? Uh, correct. It's like a combination of dribbles it's different than dribbles lost but it's um i'm trying to think of exactly how they have it worded um uh, for some reason my who so i'm trying to think of players who get on the ball a lot right because players who get on the ball a lot means that they're more likely to have bad touches it's a bad uh, control per game. So a bad control leading to loss of possession. Um, uh, Jordan Henderson? That's a terrible guess. I don't know. Jordan um, Henderson. Yeah. Unsecure touches is the way it's... I honestly have no idea. Actually. Uh, Will Saha with 4.3. Oh, okay. And Michael Antonio right behind him with four points. I should have guessed Michael Antonio. I told you, man is a chaos agent. 
Um, who leads the league in offsides forced per game? Offsides uh, for- forced? So the defender who forces offsides? Yes. So I'm going for an aggressive defender, Rudiger. Uh, no, Rudiger is not even in the top 10. Damn. Um, okay, wait, let, let, me get, let me get another guess. Um, I'll give you a I, hint. Yeah, okay. The top two play for the same team with 1.6 and 1.5, and no other player is above one forced offsides per game. Am I right in thinking that it's an aggressive defender? Like I a front think of them front both. Foot, a front yeah. foot defender? Yeah. Uh, I don't think either of them are as aggressive as Rudiger. Harry Maguire. Uh, no. Um, he's Tell me. too slow to play the offside. That was a stupid guess. Um, 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 stop. Uh, Eric Dyer. No, I don't know. Blake, tell me. Uh, Joel Matip and Virgil oh. van Dijk. Um, yeah, I should have guessed that. Far and away lead the league. Um, and Liverpool, by far, lead the league in forced offsides. Mm. Um, okay. Uh, and then my final one is you know, my opinion question for you. Uh, it's what Premier League team above 13th, which is Palace, is most likely to be pulled into the relegation battle? Uh, sorry, one more time. Above Palace? Above Palace, so above 13th. So Villa um, and above, who's most likely to be pulled into the relegation oh, that's battle? A, that's a good question. Um, so let me take a quick peek. Okay, uh, this is yeah, not me saying I asked that, it... that I think these players... Well, sorry, these teams. Villa and above, damn. Um, I guess this is crazy. It can't... Southampton, because Southampton are capable of losing like seven games in a row. I mean, that's the only way I can think about it. Leicester have too many games in hand. They just have too many good players to go down. Southampton, when it's not clicking, are dreadful. So Southampton. Yeah, it's one of these questions I asked because it's, you know, I was trying to figure it out for myself. And I was like, I really don't know who above Palace could actually get pulled into it. Um, even though the points are really close for both Villa and Leicester, I do think it's probably Leicester Mm. who are most likely, um, just because they're currently five points behind, although they also have two games in hand, but they're playing horribly right now, so Mm. they're not likely to win those points in hand. Um, Yeah, it's a tough question, Um, but I, I do generally think 13th and below is going to be the relegation battle. Um, yeah, I agree. You just can't really imagine Villa. I agree. Being in it, I mean, a squad composed like that is uh, pretty dutiful. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, my first answer is none. My second answer is Leicester. Um, yeah, I think. Uh, other than that, I think a lot of the sides are pretty safe. Um, yeah, Southampton's a decent shout. I just don't think they'll do it. Um, Oscar, do you have any? Final, final says. You know, I, I don't. Uh, other than this was fun, as it always is, and uh, I hope to see. Well, it's gonna be cold again, but uh, hope to see you soon in the next month, at least for football. Finally. Yes, hopefully. Um, mm. I played in the snow 
last Sunday. And then yesterday I played in quite nice weather. So Mm, uh, all over the place recently. Well, if you're listening, I hope it's certainly warmer um, than it has been around here. Please leave a review, an email, a follow, um, a tweet, uh, a review, or any other thing. Any way you can communicate with us, uh, please do. Um, And take care. Bye. I'm standing.